Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hand. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. I'd like to welcome Stephen Souza with the Tampa Bay Rays right here to I Work For Him. Stephen, welcome. Hey, Stephen, welcome to I Work For Him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Can, can you hear me? I can hear you now. Uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, no sweat. You know, when I read the article last spring about you, and, 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 and you know, the Tampa Bay Times doesn't really write a lot of great articles about Christians, and they were, they were talking about uh, your, uh, your radical transformation in Christ, and, and uh, they were a little bit skeptical, and I right away uh, contacted a friend within the Rays organization and said, hey, is this Stephen Souza for real? Because if he is, I want people to hear his testimony, because I love having people talk about the radical transformation that Christ has done in their lives, and... I love talking about people's different workplaces, and you've got a workplace that hundreds of thousands of boys and girls across the country would love to be in, Major League Baseball. Even though right now I know you're on the disability list, uh, dis- you know the yeah the disability list with a broken a broken hand, right? That's right. Yeah, well, I'm sorry about that. So why don't we start out, if you would, Stephen, just talking about how how you came to Christ. What what led you to Christ? So in 2011, I uh, I uh, I had a kind of a tough year, and so you know, I grew up in a Christian home, and I knew a lot of things about Jesus, and um, I think I fell into the same group that 75 percent of uh, of America feels, 
is that uh, you know I know about what Jesus did. I know who he is. I just don't really know him. But in 2011, uh, kind of had my world world rock in the sense of I, I had been drafted high. I failed um, in, the, in the eyes of the world at my job, and I had never had a successful year up until that point. So there was a lot of pressures and a a lot of uh, a lot of I guess hype on my career. And when that didn't turn out, it just kind of it kind of fell on me. And so uh, I got in an argument with my manager and uh, realized that I needed to figure out, you know, what, what my life was all about. I came home and I went to a wedding for a friend of mine and uh, really saw his his eyes when he got married and he was a virgin and, and it kind of blew my mind. Uh, but the reality of my soul started to take it. This is how it's supposed to be. This, this is what it looks like. But why? How did he get to this point? So that's when I really began to to see what Jesus, who Jesus was, and what he did. So was it that friend that really had that major influence on you, or who's who's the one that helped you connect the uh, the cross the eyes or cross the eyes? How about dot the eyes and cross the t's? Who who helped you make that connection? Because it's one thing seeing a person's example; it's another thing saying, "Wow, you know what? You really need to do is get on your knees and just repent and and uh, become a Christ follower." Who helped you with that? Um, there were several people. You know, I don't think you could narrow it down to one. If I were to narrow it down to one, I would say my best friend um, Michael Taylor. Uh, had a lot to do at the time. And when we played together with the Nationals, he uh, he was just extremely encouraging um, with the things that he said and the things that he did. And uh, At that same wedding, he had told me that, you know, I God had a word with me, and when I was ready, um, he would show it to me. And so I didn't really know what that looked like or what it meant as a believer. Um, and so I kind of went home and just started asking questions, and uh, the Lord just kind of revealed himself to me. That's fantastic. I love that. I love yeah. that. I really feel honored. All right, so, Stephen, you know, you had a pretty tough reputation from your minor league days and your and your days leading up to being here with the Rays as a pretty wild boy, as as somebody with a – well, let's just say you probably weren't voted by your high school class to be most likely to become a Christ follower in Major League Baseball. <laughs> I would have to say I agree with you. Yeah, I. I uh, it's, but that's the cool part because Jesus said, "Hey, I came to restore all things, and it doesn't matter where your life is at when you're when you're ready for Him. He'll take you from where you're at and and make you each and every day more and more like Him. And that's the beauty of it. So that reputation that led you to really say, telling your coach in the minors to say, "Hey, see you later. I don't really know if I want to play baseball anymore. I I got to go figure out what I'm going to do with my life." It really pretty much threw in the towel. I mean, and then went out, and like you said before, you went to a wedding, you, you saw some genuineness in one of your friend's lives, and he was a Christ follower, and that got you really thinking. How hard was it to get back into baseball after really telling a coach to take this job and I don't want it? Um, it was it was probably the hardest thing uh, I've ever had to do, I think. I think I knew that, you, you know, you set a tone for so long, you live your entire life. Um, in one direction, and that's, you know, running away from Christ and running towards the things of the world, and that's what I had done. And so when you're coming back and saying that, no, I'm not doing that anymore, everybody's looking at you and saying, no, I'm not buying that you're not doing that anymore. 
And so um, it was it was a tough situation. It, it wasn't easy at all. And at no point did it become um, easy. I think it, from day one, especially the first year, from day one to the last day, everybody was waiting for me to slip up, uh, waiting for something to happen. And the, the beauty of that, though, was my pastor had warned me. He said, hey, you're going into the fire. But no, understand that you're going in the fire and be prepared. It's just like if I'm going to prepare for a baseball game, I'm going to do the work diligently to go into that game. So if I know I'm going into a fire where people are going to question my faith, well, I better be reading my, my, my Bible, praying, and living it out, or else people are going to say, no, this is fake. Um, but God honestly just, uh, he gave me, you know, courage and strength to keep walking. I was persecuted. I was laughed at. I was exiled. I mean, people just said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore for good reason from, for the past. But I learned to be alone and be alone with Christ. And I think that's what just really catapulted my, my faith. That's, I love that, being alone with Christ. Because we all really do need to get to that spot where we're content in that relationship and we're not dependent or codependent on other people for that. And then Christ then brings people in our lives as encouragers. And, and I'm sure you had people encouraging along the way. Where did your love for baseball come from? Did you grow up with that love? Was it your dad's love? How did you get addicted to baseball? I have no idea, to be honest with you. I Nobody in my family played baseball. Nobody plays baseball. Uh, my mom was a really good athlete in soccer. My dad's a very talented musician. Um, and he was, he was a little bit of an athlete, but more. I mean, he is one of the best musicians on the drums that um, people have seen. So it, it didn't seem plausible for me to, to, to be a baseball player, but uh, God doesn't deal with plausibility. He deals with uh, who you are. So um, I, I think the 95 Mariners, if I were to narrow it down to one thing, the 95 Mariners with Griffey and Edgar, and uh, Randy Johnson, I think when they went to the playoffs in the my oh my year, it just kind of captivated my heart, and I just kind of ran with it. I, I remember I, I didn't want to do, didn't want to watch anybody else or anything on TV except the Mariners, and so I think I kind of ran with that. No, so were you from Seattle originally, or how did, did you have ESPN so you could watch them? No, I, I'm I'm born and raised in Seattle, Washington. You are okay. All right, all right. So I I I didn't. I know I've read this thing, this article several times. I missed that. I forgot. I apologize. <laughs> no worries. All right. So you know, so you didn't have anybody that led you that way. But now that you've been following Christ, walking back into that, this is your first year with the Rays, right? Yes. Okay, yeah, so sure. so coming, getting uh, getting traded to the Rays, getting hired by the Rays this year to play baseball. How hard was it to walk into that dugout, into that clubhouse, and 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 be the new Steven Souza instead of the old Steven Souza? Because I'm sure people had heard about your reputation. And certainly, the uh, Tampa Bay Times helped everybody know what your reputation was uh, as you as they were going through spring training this year. They were telling everybody about you and going, "Really, really, is he really a new guy?" So, <laughs> how hard was that to walk into that? clubhouse this year um you know one thing i I find myself on is newspapers and media are going to say whatever they want to say and i actually i don't try and read them for that specific reason if they take words um and they flip them but uh as far as that article they actually did a really good job i would agree i would agree really good job and you know i heard nothing mark tompkin uh got a lot of compliments on that and it's funny because before that i didn't really hear that he wrote very thing very very much of anything uplifting about anyone. So I felt super honored that he did that, and he did a terrific job. Um, but going into this year, 
it was almost like day one again. It was like my new, my faith had re- restarted, and I had to really grab hold of my foundations because I didn't have my crutches around me in D.C. You know, I had great veterans and great leaders, um, Ian Desmond being one of them, where I could, if, if I felt like I was stumbling, I would just lean on him. But I didn't have that in, in, over here. I didn't know anybody. I, I didn't. My wife and I had no friends over here. You know, uh, we had Nathan Carnes who we played with up here, and he was uh, the only teammate that I really knew. So it was really tough to to come in this year and um, meet new people, but at the same time, kind of set a tone for um, you know. I, there are some things that I am not going to do, and that wasn't my main goal. Was hey, listen. Everybody, I will not do this, and I need you to know that. It was building relationships, but at the same time, um, telling everybody about Jesus, because that's what I'm here for. That's awesome. Yeah, and I, honestly, the Tampa Bay Times, they did present it. I didn't, you know, they, they didn't really, I think they presented your testimony pretty solid, because I've seen it written in a couple of different places. They did the same thing on Zobrist. I mean, they did an entire page on him when he got traded, and it was amazing how honest it was. Uh, so, I think they need I think they need to write more of it. You know, I mean, they've done, and it's really the, the two things um, that I've heard them been complimented on more. So it's funny that when you write encouraging and uplifting things, how you get more, more uh, compliments and, and, and better uh, comments because people just want to hear great things. You know, we're so tired of the society of hearing about the negative things in the world. We already hear that. So it's great to see when people write encouraging um and positive things about people. No, it, absolutely. And I wish the news media was listening today. Maybe they could hear a little bit more of that because it doesn't matter whether it's network news or paper or online. It always seems to – every once in a while you find a nice uplifting article, but it's it's tough. So have you found some like-minded friends in the dugout this year, whether it's on the other side of the uh, the, the field in the third-base dugout or whether it's in your dugout? I mean, what, what have you got – have you found some players on your team that you guys can encourage each other? You know, David DeJesus and I uh, were best friends when he was here. Um, and that way, he was kind of my saving grace. There was a lot of rumors that he was going to be traded in spring training. And, boy, am I am I super thankful that the Lord allowed him to stay here for the time that he did. You know, uh, we, we just really got to spend a lot of time not only getting in the Word, but going out and doing it, um, going out and serving the community, serving the homeless and serving people and and that was a kind of a part of my faith that i took to a next level with with uh with david and our chaplain geo urena we just really took it and said let's go do it now you know we learn and you know we feed ourselves with all these information so david and i yeah he was my he was my saving grace let's talk about the last six weeks you got first injured with a minor injury in the middle of july if i remember correctly then came back and then got your hand hit with a pitch and broke some bones in your hand, and you're back on the DL. How has that been on your psyche, and how has that been a challenge to your faith? Because baseball guys like to play baseball. So when I when I first got hurt in the on the Fourth of July um, in New York, it was kind of a, a like you said a minor thing. Two weeks, I think, was the longest, and I would I would be able to start swinging really fast. Um, so that wasn't that bad, and. And kind of a, a, a week break from baseball, although not needed, I, I would never ask for it, um, was kind of great. I got to step back and really see what was really important in the middle of the year and then get back and kind of, okay, let's head down the finish line. And then 10 games into it, I got hit in the hand. And that, that's when I kind of was 
uh, a little taken back and didn't really know where to go from there. I was going to be out four to six weeks, and it would be at least three to four weeks before I could do anything with my hand to let it heal itself. Uh, I didn't do very well with that at the beginning, uh, if I'm being honest. I, I, I want I, you to be honest because this has got to be frustrating. <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is a time where I'm, you know, they go on the road and now I'm just by myself. So my wife had uh, had gone back home to see family, and so I'm by myself at my house. And I, the first few days, I just didn't do a good job. I just kind of sat around. Uh, I got in the word a little bit, prayed a little bit, but just kind of did. Um, just kind of ended up thinking about everything. Man, what is this going to look like? I can't believe I'm hurt again. And, and those seeds of doubt began to uh, to come in my in my mind. And so I knew I had to get out. I knew I had to. I, I couldn't keep sitting in my house by myself. So what I did was I reached out to uh, my our chaplain here at, at um, in Tampa in Geo Urena, and him and his family. They've really been. Um, almost like a second family to us in the sense of whenever we've needed anything, they've really just um, brought us into their home and my wife and I, and we've just become, he's become an amazing mentor and a teacher to me and and his wife as well, Susie, has just been so great. So I went over to their house and all we did was just fellowship day after day after day after day. Um, And then we would meet in the mornings at 8 a.m. and I'd go to her house. I was pretty sure at one point we, we, I came over to their house for five days in a row, diving into the Word and fellowship, and I was pretty sure they were going to kick me out, saying, you know, maybe tomorrow don't come back. But <laughs> they never did. They just kept pouring into me. Um, and that, that was the best thing that probably could have ever happened to me. I think I had to prepare a sermon over that time, so I really had to study. Uh, and Gio and I dove deep into the topic of pride. And it was just amazing. I, this, it, it's not what I wanted to be on the DL, but it has been absolutely amazing to be able to spend one-on-one time with God and fellowship with Gio and Susie this whole time. Well, I got to believe you probably have been a big gift to them with both of their kids going off to college up north. Uh, the empty nesting's no fun for anybody. So it's. Uh... I think I think they kind of they they wanted to bring me down to like a sixteen-year-old, eighteen-year-old, and, <laughs> and I was okay with that. You know. I, I never slept in their son's bed or, or, or did anything, you know, take out the trash. I did do that, actually. Um, but, yeah, it was it was great. It was, I think it was beneficial for both of us, and God definitely had a plan for, for bringing us both together. Yeah, they're definitely, they're definitely great people. Well, I think when you get into times like this, if I just may speak so boldly, Stephen, is that a lot of times we get so caught up in our work. It doesn't matter. As a man, we are built to provide and protect. It's what we love to do. Your work just happens to be... Holy smokes, a lot more fun than most of us get to do because you get to hear the smack of the bat every day. But, you know, we we sometimes get our identity mixed up, you know, and, and we get identified by our job instead of identify, identified by Christ. And, and there's a danger in that. Stephen? It doesn't matter what you choose. Hey, Stephen, we lost you there for a second. Hey, Steve, hey, Stephen, I'm having a hard time hearing you. It's like you went on uh, your speaker instead. Hey, well, well, we're getting Stephen back here. He's uh, he's uh, up there in New York trying to. We're trying to keep the connection going, but we're just talking about that. You know, a lot of times we get, all get caught up in our we just what we do, and we we think, well, you know, what 
who are you? Well, I'm a fireman. Well, I'm a baseball player. Well, I'm an insurance agent. Well, I'm a business consultant. And, and it's very tough. We get caught up in, in who in what we do instead of who we are because we identify with Christ. So, Stephen, do we have you back here again? Yeah, sorry uh, about that. No, no problem. You probably uh, cheeked it and switched it over to cell phone or to a speaker or something. No big deal. That's exactly what I did. That's okay. We've all done it. I've muted people like that before. That's even more fun. <laughs> All right, so I mean, what I was saying is that this was a challenge from the Lord, probably for you to say, "Well, who are you really? Who do you who do you recognize yourself? Where's your identity drawn from? Is it is your identity drawn from you running to first base and being a right fielder or hitting home runs, or is your identity in Christ? How, how did you work through that?" Well, Gio gave me this book called "Mandate for Glory of God," and I think it really hits it on the head, especially early in the book. Um, and it talks about that our culture really is. Um, it's really raised athletes into this perspective of being worshipped. Um, and so I think more so than anything, my job has become a center of just because I throw a baseball and I hit it really far, I'm, I'm considered uh, one of the premium people on earth. But that's just not true in the eyes of the Lord. So I have to constantly battle that. But in any sense of people's jobs, I think that, we try so hard to, to be good at our job, and God has you there not because he wants you to be the CEO of the company, but because he wants himself glorified in what you're doing. And we turn so easily to compare and our identity. So we compare with the person next to us who's getting promoted or is an all-star or has a bigger house or, or nicer cars, when God could care less about any of those things. All God wants is for you to have faith when it's in him and glorify him in what you're doing and when he's getting the glory you're at peace and everything is kind of flowing together and that's what i kind of learned i love that and, and if you can continue to work on that as you get older in your baseball career and recognizing that your identity is in christ and not in baseball it'll make retirement someday a whole lot easier in that transition to not playing baseball every day because someday even the best wear out so it, it's especially the best wear out. So exactly. That, so where are you at now? I don't know if you can discuss it or not, but are you going to get to play baseball this fall? I will. It was it kind of been amazing. Um, the Lord just keeps um, showing himself to me every day. It's, it's amazing. We, we got an x-ray about, it was almost two weeks ago. I mean, today's Friday, so it was about two and a half weeks ago we got an x-ray. And the doctor, when he had looked at the, the x-ray had kind of said it's going to be a little bit longer before we can do anything, at least two more weeks. And that was kind of uh, a setback. And then all of a sudden, about four or five days later, I had just turned a fast corner. Um, and my hand, I could start to move it. And uh, it, it was really amazing. So I've sped up this process. Um, I have not personally. God sped up this process. <laughs> um so that I can, I'm able to go play baseball here in uh, a day or two. So I'll go out on a rehab assignment in a day or two, and um, at, the, at the end of the minor league season, we don't have any more games that I can do rehab assignments. So we'll reevaluate and see if I'll go play in playoffs with uh, one of the minor league teams down in Florida. And if I'm ready to go by the end of these three games, then I could rejoin the team as soon as, um, I think, Tuesday in Detroit. Nice. Well, yeah. let, let's hope that that gets to happen because I, I know you've been sitting on the sidelines. Well, let's just hope what the Lord's been working in your heart is going to do amazing things so that you've got even a more powerful testimony when you get back in the dugout because I, I know that I know the Rays could use your bat. I know that they've got, they're still in the hunt 
for the wild card spot, but it's uh, the divisions are tough this year. You know, and you got yeah. you got Kansas City up there. They're they're kind of ruling the uh, American League right now. So you know, you got to there's a lot of hard spots up there. I know Kansas is in. I grew up in Minnesota, so I've got that. I love small market teams, so I love the Twins and the Rays. So I, I follow both divisions because, but the the Twins division is a whole lot easier than. <laughs> The Rays division with the Red Sox and the Yankees, man, you guys have a tough every stinking year. It, it's it's a tough one. It, it definitely is, and you know it, it's been amazing to see the, the resiliency of this team. And um, you know, hopefully, if we just come together, play like we did the first couple months of the year. We can be right in it and be where we want to be at the end of the year. And just have some fun. It'd be really, really nice. So share, share with the listeners today about your daily walk, what you're doing to stay grounded in the Word, how you start your day with the Lord so that people can know, hey, here, I'm a real guy. I mean, we all know you put your pants on one leg at a time. You're just like anybody else. But how are you being diligent in your prayer time and in, in your Bible time? You know, uh, Sometimes when I when I get lackluster about it, I, I end up doing it at night. It's not it's not terrible that I do it at night and and meet with the Lord. But I think setting the tone in the morning uh, is the best thing. And spending that time, you know, I, I think a lot of times we convince ourselves that I talk to the Lord throughout the day and I read a scripture or two throughout the day, and that's my time with the Lord. But you wouldn't say the same thing about your wife or your girlfriend. Um, you know, oh, I sent a text to her, or, yeah, we had a conversation for a, a minute on the phone, and, and I feel like I really poured into her. So why do we say that about the Lord? It's the same thing. And uh, I try and make that intentional time to spend with Jesus and uh, spend about an hour or so between writing, writing and uh, breaking down wherever I'm at. At this point, I'm in uh, Galatians and uh, setting the tone, and then I just go out and I don't, I don't try and, and legalistically work my way through the day. I just trust the Lord and turn to Him on every question, or try to at least turn to Him and say, "What well, you know? What does God think about this? If I'm about to do something, or a response is, what, how can I glorify God with this? Or what, what does God think about this person?" All right, I, I got it. Wrong. We got to take a break, Stephen. I apologize. You're listening to I Work for Him right here in Tampa Bay's Faith Talk, five seventy and nine ten WTBN. SRN News, I'm Rich Thomason in Washington. A federal judge in Kentucky says the oath he took to become a judge takes precedence over his own religious views. And judge David Bunning says the same holds true for Kim Davis, Round County clerk, who's refused to issue marriage licenses since the Supreme Court legalized so-called same-sex marriage. The judge today ordered Davis to jail until she complies with his order to issue those licenses. Donald Trump says he has signed a Republican loyalty pledge to back the GOP's 2016 nominee for president and to skip a potential third-party bid for the White House. Authorities believe they have recovered a video that should help them in their search for three men, suspects in the murder of a police officer in Fox Lake, Illinois, this week. On Wall Street, the Dow trading about 17 points higher. More details at srnews.com. The Bible is the Word of God, but have you ever come away from reading the Scriptures with more questions than answers? Hello, I'm Charlie, a local evangelist from Sarasota, and I'd like you to join me and several of my colleagues every Sunday morning for Answers from the Bible. This is a live call-in question-and-answer program. 
So please join us on Sunday mornings at 730 for Answers from the Bible right here on Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN and online at letstalkfaith.com. Our pastors are called on daily to speak to our circumstances and reach out with truth and compassion. On October 8th, Faith Talk 570 and 910 honors our leaders with the annual Pastors Appreciation Luncheon featuring the host of Faith in Practice, Dr. A.R. Bernard. He's given us his word and his word is truth. This free event serves to honor area ministry leaders with a delicious meal, free gifts and resources. Sign up today at letstalkfaith.com. This half hour of the I Work For Him show is brought to you by Nepsis Capital. Nepsis Capital is a portfolio or investment management firm dedicated to investing with clarity. For more information about Nepsis Capital, find them on the web at nepsiscapital.com. That's nepsiscapital.com. Welcome back to I Work For Him. I'm your host, Jim Brangenberg. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, I want you to go out to iworkforhim.com and do two things for me, if you would. Click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and consider making the commitment to your Lord that you'll start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. And also consider clicking on the cruise tab and consider taking you and your spouse on a marriage retreat cruise coming up this February 18th to the 22nd, right before spring training really kicks in, just in case you're listening, Stephen. And, and consider going out with your spouse and working on your marriage for five days, four nights on the Caribbean with a day in Cozumel. Taking that time away from the internet, your phone, your children, just to work on your marriage, making it better, making it more solid. Consider that. IWorkForHim.com, the cruise tab. Hey, today we're talking with Stephen Souza. That's right, the Stephen Souza from the Tampa Bay Rays. We're talking to him about how his life in Christ is making an impact on his job as a baseball player. Stephen, I wanted to, you, you said you were studying Galatians right now, and of course the, the fruits of the Spirit are listed there. How do, you, how do you see, as the Lord has been working in your life these, these, so, these few years already, how do you see the fruits of the Spirit coming out in your life naturally, like they never, ever did before? Well, I think, uh, you know, one of the biggest things for me is uh, patience and self-control, especially in uh, my game or uh, my, my job. And, and when I'm constantly in the Word and I'm constantly thinking of things um, above, you know, the Bible says set your heart on things above and not things of the world. And when my things are of the world, the fruits of the Spirit just aren't flowing through me. And it's just it's harder to see. It's it's hard when people see Christ. God's always going to use you, um, but when when I'm constantly in the Word, in prayer, in communication, and totally forgetting about myself and my needs and the fruits of the Spirit, especially patience and self-control, because I think that's one that everybody, especially in our our culture today, really takes precedent. And don't be afraid to pay for, to pray for patience. A lot of people say, "Well, don't pray for that because you know what'll happen." It's okay. You got to you got to learn it sooner or later. It's okay. Just get get it out get out of the way when you're young. So <laughs> so you've got this fantastic testimony, which it's just a testimony of how Christ has has redeemed you and is restoring you little bit by little bit each and every day. How has Christ used you to share that story with your teammates, with your with your old teammates, with your people that knew you before Christ? Have you had the opportunity to go back and share with some of those people who knew the old Stephen before Christ and been able to share what Christ has done in your life? I think more than anything, uh, coaches 
Um, and yeah, and guys I've played with have noticed it more. You know, I don't think anybody here really knows me or knew me before. Um, Jesus really grabbed a hold of my heart and, and set me on my way. Um, but I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen God bring people to, to Christ and, and, and it's been really amazing through, through me, um, and through the, the work he did in me, um, how people see God's glory. Um, and I, I've literally done nothing, you know, I've just tried to be obedient and, and follow. Um, but God has just poured out into people along the way and the relationships he's built. Um, it's been cool. I, like I said, last year we had a really lucky group. I don't think, um, I'll be fortunate to ever get a group like that. We had 15 guys meeting together twice a week, um, to go through Bible study and, and to go through the word. And so seeing things like that, when you see where, where God's kind of taking you is, uh, is what you really remember. You'll get more and more opportunities to share as you mature in your faith. You'll get more and more opportunities because people are watching you still. They're still trying to, they're still going, is it real? Is he really changed? Has he really become a Christ follower? But I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, nobody would share the things that Stephen has shared on the air today if it wasn't for real because you wouldn't go on the record on it. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome to hear it. Hey, your wife, Michaela, that's, is that how it's pronounced? Michaela? Okay, she was mentioned in the article, and it also mentions in there that you guys have known each other a very long time. I, I get the feeling, although it doesn't say that, that she was a Christ follower or more serious about her faith before you were, and, but yet she was faithful alongside of you. Talk, talk about your relationship there, because what I know about every great man of God is that they always usually have a fantastic wife along their side. So she, uh, we were kind of a counter-opposite um, you know, I grew up in the church. She didn't really grow up in the church, um, but she was taught about, you know, the moral standards of Jesus. So she just really needed to, to grasp kind of um, what Jesus did on the cross and what that actually means. Now, as far as um, living the word out, I've never seen, as as long as I've known her, um, I've never seen anybody do it better. I mean, she is just a kind person. Um, she's gentle. She thinks about others way more than um, she thinks about herself. And really, it challenges me and it frustrates me sometimes because I see how great she is at it. And, and um, I want to I want to do the same to her. So she's been amazing. This this whole marriage thing we've done the, the last seven months has been uh, a wild ride. And, and marriage is such a revealing thing. Um, it's a, it's a really, it's a, it's a gritty sanctification process, but it's a beautiful one at that. And there's nobody else I'd rather go through it than with her. Well, that's fantastic. So here, the question, because my wife and I do a lot of marriage mentoring, we, and we work with married couples all the time. You've got a pretty tough job because you're on the road all the time. But plus, you work, you work. Well, let's see, usually five or six nights a week. You get one day game maybe, maybe during a week. So you're working nights all the time and you're traveling all the time, how are you guys, give some encouragement out there to other, you know, there's a lot of other guys that are guys and gals that are traveling all the time and then away from their spouses. How are you keeping your marriage strong when you're away from each other so much? Um, that's a, that's a tough one. It's, it's, it, sometimes it, it does get hard. Um, but I think you have to set your realistic expectations of what you need out of a marriage and what is actually going to happen. And with that, we, we kind of sat down before, um, we got married and even before we got engaged and said, this is, this is what a season's going to look like. 
this is what it's going to be like sometimes. Sometimes we're going to have a lot of time together. Sometimes we're not going to have much. And I need to know what you need out of me um, when we don't have much time together. And all she really would say is, I just need you to call me before you go to bed or text me or let me know you're okay. Um, and the times when there was a, there's been a few days where we've gone a couple of days without talking to each other as far as on the phone. Now we've, we've reached out and, and text, but, um, you know, just trusting. I think if, if you put the center of the, of, of your husband or your wife in, in the center of your relationship, it's going to, it's bound to go somewhere downhill, but we've literally just set Christ in the middle and trusted where he's taking us. And that this isn't going to be forever. This is just a season where we don't have that much communication and time together, but we're going to be able to get through it. Mm, I, I love that. I, and it is work. I mean, it doesn't matter. You're a baseball player. You travel all the time. But it, 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 a lot of other people struggle with exactly the same things because life is crazy busy. We do live on this whirlwind that we travel each and every day. So I, I love that you shared that, that you're working at it, and, and that's what's so important. We just need to hear that you're working at it because your marriage is an example to your buddies on the in the clubhouse and in the dugout and on the opposing team. Your marriage is something they're looking at. They're like, okay, see, he's some kind of Jesus guy. What's his marriage like? They, they want to yeah. know because our yeah. world wants to know that marriage can work, but they've lost hope in it. And and, and the Bible says if you don't have your your family at home in order, then your testimony is going to be tough to spread. Uh, if, if, if your, if your marriage and your relationship with your kids is not put together, then, you know, people are going to look at you and say, well, okay, that's great that you say that you're a Christian, but I look at your family and it's pretty dysfunctional. So pouring into your family, um, pouring into my wife to me is my number one priority. If I have to sacrifice, um, a little less time at the field in order that my wife um, feels like she's appreciated, I will do that. I'll sacrifice some of my time. Um, and at the end of the day, I need to put in work at the field, but my wife's relationship with the Lord and, and mine is going to last forever, and my stance are going to last forever, and, and I, I just trust the Lord in that. Uh, that's great. I appreciate you sharing all that. It, it, because everybody, and we're talking today with Steven Souza. That's right, the Steven Souza from the Tampa Bay Rays. And we're just asking him some tough questions about, hey, right now we're just asking him, hey, I'm, you're, on the, you're on the road all the time. How hard is that on your marriage? And So, Steven, how do you want people praying for you? As a Major League Baseball player, as a Christ follower, trying to live out his faith on the, in the dugout bench and on the field and while you're traveling, whether it's, you know, in, in a bus on a short trip or in a plane on a long trip or across, you know, you guys travel in the middle of the night when you're playing in California and back here the next day. How do you want people praying for you? I think that so many, so many times, you know, there's so many opinions in my career um, and from fans, from from media, from TV. There's a lot of opinions on specific people. That doesn't actually make it fact. So um, the pull for me is my identity is to believe those things that people say. But um, if I live for, for that acceptance of people, then I'll die from their rejection. So I just need prayer for to to literally live for the acceptance of Jesus, to live for the glory for him, and, can, and never forget that, no matter what situation. I think that um, if if, I, if, if people are praying for my focus to be on giving God glory, then everything will, everything else will take care of itself. 
I love that. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you right now, and then i got some baseball questions because I've had several people text me saying, hey, ask Stephen this, ask Stephen that, just some fun questions. Okay, but let, let's okay. just focus on prayer first. Father, I just want to lift up Stephen and Michaela and their marriage. And, and Lord, ask, first of all, for healing for his hand, just so he can function like a normal human being. But, Lord, so he can come back and hit some baseballs for the Rays. We'd love to have that. But, Lord, give him that strength to keep his identity as a Christ follower and not as a baseball player, his identity as a husband, and maybe maybe in the future as a father. But Lord, keep his identity in glorifying you and centered on you and not on what other people say, because there's always going to be naysayers out there. There's always the media and the sports writers that will write something negative. Lord, help him to get his feeding from you and surround him with other Christ followers on the bench and on the field who love you and are going through that same struggle each and every day, but use his testimony in a powerful way to bring glory and honor to you and stretch him and build him into a man that can be used by you, Father, long into the days of his life. And we just ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so a couple of, couple of questions. You know, what's your favorite baseball park to play in? Besides Tropicana Field, of course, what's your favorite baseball park? Um, I, I'd probably have to say uh, Nats Park would, would be uh, my favorite one to play. Yankee Stadium is, is, is a close second, but Nats Park, uh, just because that was my, that was the place that I kind of came up in, and the, the setting is kind of, they have a huge, a huge scoreboard, and um, the fans are great there. What, what's your most memorable smell in a baseball park? Because whenever I go to a baseball park, it's the smells. What's it for you? Smell. Uh, the Seattle Mariners have garlic fries that you can smell from, from the dugout, and it is unbelievable. Okay. All right, I don't know if you want to answer this question. Most intimidating pitcher. Obviously, Randy Johnson's retired. Otherwise, I know he'd be the one. So, most intimidating pitcher that I've faced? Yeah. Most intimidating pitcher that I've faced. To be honest, I've had battles with uh, Dellen Bachantis here in New York, and I I don't know if it's intimidating, but um, I know that when we go to battle, we've had some some strikeouts. I've, I've hit a homer. Um, I've had some base hits, but it, it's a it's a battle, and so I think out of any guy that I've faced, it, it, I I kind kind of focus and lock in against him more than anyone. Stephen, uh, just a quick question for one of my fans that texted me just a minute. You got any nicknames? Do people call you anything from the stands? Nice nicknames. Like one of them said, "Hey, they they yell from the stands." SSJ. J must be your middle name. Do they do they call you funny things from the stands? Um, I don't think so. I don't really have a, a good name to make uh, nicknames. I think. Sue's is one junior. Is oh, another one that's, that's what the J me. is for. SSJ, got it. Yeah, yeah. The J is for junior. So people call me junior a lot. I've seen a sign that said uh, when I first came back that said "Welcome back, Super Sue's." That's about the only one I've ever seen. But no, nah, I'm not a big nickname. Supers. Well, we, we can come up with one. We'll work on that for you next time. <laughs> next time you come on the air after the season's over, we'll get you live and in studio. All right. So yeah. here's here's how I want you to close it out. We got about forty seconds. For the, all those aspiring, Christ-following baseball athletes out there, how about some words of advice as they pursue their faith and baseball at the same time? Um, just continue to stand strong. I know at times it seems like um, standing in your faith and standing your ground is, is not the cool thing to do, but it's not going to be. But I promise that um, working hard and making sacrifices to pursue your dream in baseball and pursue your faith in the Lord will pass in. Are you glad you've done it? Are you having fun? I am. I am. It's it's been uh, an absolute dream, and I'm I'm thankful every day. Oh, awesome. 
Steven Souza with the Tampa Bay Rays. Thank you so much for giving us your time today and sharing your testimony and just being transparent. Loved hearing it. Really pray, God, pray God's blessings on you that your hand will heal, and we'll see you playing against Detroit very, very soon. Thanks right, so much. Thank you for having me. All right, you bet. Hey, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, hey, right here on Tampa Bay's Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBN. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope that hearing Stephen Souza's testimony really inspired you just to be real, really just to share with people, hey, how Christ has done radical work in your own life. Not everybody gets to be a Major League Baseball player, but not everybody gets to be a CEO, and not everybody else gets to be a janitor. Nobody, Not everybody gets to be a mechanic. It doesn't matter what you are. We all have the opportunity in our mission field to be a light for Christ. What are you doing with what Christ has done in your life? How are you sharing that with people? Make sure you take a chance to do that. Hey, tonight, would you go out to iWorkForHim.com and click on the iWorkForHim Nation and consider joining and making that commitment to pray for your coworkers and employees each and every day by name? It's going to make a difference. Because if we're going to take this city for Jesus Christ, we've got to make that commitment to start it right in our workplace. You know, we learned today that our faith can impact our workplace just by being real. You know, Stephen Souza just specialized in just being real. Because people were watching him. They were trying to see if his faith was real. So if you're a Christ follower and Christ has done amazing work in your life, because if you are a Christ follower, Christ has done amazing things in your life, let people see the difference in you. Because your life, having been impacted by Christ, should be radically different than your neighbor, your coworker, whose life hasn't been radically impacted by Christ. If your business and you're, you're running a business, you're a Christ follower, your business should be decidedly different, should feel decidedly different because it's being run by a Christ follower. Comparing it to your non-Christ following competition, it should look and feel different. Go out to iWorkForHim.com right now and commit to being part of the iWorkForHim nation. I want to join along with you praying for your coworkers and employees. We're going to turn Tampa Bay around and around the world. We're going to do it by praying for our coworkers and employees. You've been listening to iWorkForHim with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower and I own my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.